0: Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Holman Park Baptist Church. Thank you so much for our time together. I thank you for the word, Lord, that your love endures forever. And that, Lord, uh, we can celebrate the fact that we have no fear, Lord, because of your love. And so as we look at the scriptures today, may you be glorified, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. It's kind of funny. I was actually all week planning on a different passage, a different sermon. But this is just one of those days or one of those weeks where I think it was about Friday. God said, don't preach that. I said, yes, sir. And uh, and so you get what you get. And so we're talking today about the unbreakable bond of love, the unbreakable bond of love. Now, I know when we say the word love. We're supposed to get the touchy-feely and think about hearts and candy and flowers and all that kind of good stuff. But the truth of the matter is, is the love that we experience today, as great as it is, the love between friends, the love between husbands and wives, the love between siblings, the love between parents and, and, and family and all of these different types of love. There's some that is very help, helpful and healthy, and there are some... Quite honestly or not, but if you take even the best love relationship in this world today, it will end with the grave. And even the best love relationship, if it does not have God in it, it's not truly love. There are families, and maybe some of you have tried it in your families, or you've seen it where people have tried to have love in a family apart from God, and it does not work. I'm going to share with you one of the benefits of God's love today. One of the many. John Ortberg wrote a book called The Love Song. And he says, uh, The Love Beyond Reason, he tells a story of a father who is singing a love song to his son who is a little bit cranky. Any of y'all ever had to deal with a child that's a little bit cranky? A little bit sleepy? A little hard to get along with? So he... He, all he knew to do was just sing to his, his little girl. So he picked up his little girl and started singing off key, out of rhythm, just making up. Daddy loves you because you're special. Daddy loves you because you're his. Daddy loves you because of your beautiful hair. And he just went on and on. And sure enough, that cranky baby started to just relax and then before you know it the baby's just looking up to the dad while the dad is singing off key awful notes but the baby was happy and he was talking about how much he loved that little girl his little girl and you know what happened he finally got the baby home and put her in her little bed and she reached up her arms and said daddy sing that song to me again God sings a love song to you today. God sings a love song to you every day. He tells you how much He loves you. If you need the lyrics, they're right here. Okay? God loves you. And not only does God sing to you, God don't, no longer, I mean, God shares with you, but God showed it as well. You see, God sings his love song for you and I every day, but we just must take the time to listen to it. The sound of air coming in and out of our lungs as we breathe is proof of God's love. The smell of your coffee in the morning is a proof of God's love. The sleepy-eyed child crawling to bed and getting in your bed with you because they just want to be with you. The excitement that you know that you get to worship this morning with others today. The fact that birds are maybe even singing in your backyard. The sound of wind howling and rain striking against a roof that is sheltering you from a storm. It's like today. I didn't even know this, but Donna got a, a news story on her phone. that said we had an earthquake. When was it? This morning. Who felt it? Did you Really? I had no clue. All of you are clueless, like me, except three of us. <laughs> oh well, let it shake. But see, God was showing His love for you and I, just in the fact that, hey, we're still here. And God, God let a few of you experience that. I mean, I guess I'm open. I don't know. But the thing is, is that maybe it's just the voice of a friend that has called just to see how you were doing. These things and more, these things that are special to you, things that you are given every day, they are gifts from God. And however, the greatest gift that God has ever given us is His love. So the first thing I want us to look at is that only Christians can know true love. And this sounds pretty... uh Holier than thou for me to say this, it seems like it's, I can hear people saying, well, who do you think you are to know what true love is? I've loved my wife for X many years or I've loved my children. Look, I'm not, I'm not discounting the love that you have for somebody, but I am telling you, if you are loving somebody apart from having Christ in your life, apart from having Christ in your family, you're doing good, but you're not doing the best that it could be because only Christians Can know true love, and this is why. It says in 1 John chapter 4 verses 7 and 8. He says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. When I read this passage and images of what I'm seeing on TV in Portland and other places in our country of where there is no love at all, there is no Christ in the middle of this at all. And we see nothing but hate and retribution and looking out for people's own special interests. And here the scriptures say, dear friends, let us continue to love one another. Why is that? For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not know God does not know love, for God is love. So what we see here is that true love comes from God, not from Hallmark, not from a sappy movie, not from your favorite love song, true love. Love itself, love, the emotion of love, God created, it comes from God. But see, nowadays in our world, people equate love to a physical act. That's not love, that's called lust. That... For someone to be physical with somebody else is is not love. It is an action. As a matter of fact, if it's done outside of marriage, and if it's done outside of God's will, it is a selfish act for you to get what you want. It's not love. Love does not come from a forced holiday. Love does not come from a song or a movie. Love does, does not even come from the heart. I've heard people say, well, I just love him with all my heart. That is not the source of love. The source of love is God. How do I know that? Because the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, that the heart is deceitful above all things. The minute you say, well, I'm just going to follow my heart, you are going to end up in a ditch eventually. Either metaphorically or literally. So true love comes from God. And these are some things that love does. Love celebrates commitment. <laughs> love continues even when times get hard. Uh, I saw a pastor friend of mine post on Facebook this week. It said, please pray for your pastor's wife because she's married to the pastor. <laughs> I didn't check to see if Donna put a like on that. But but the truth of the matter is, is look, I'm not going to stand before you and say, hey, we have never had a fight, we have never had a disagreement. I mean, she says what we need to do and we do it, right? But the truth of the matter is, and those of you that have been married, to you know, and some of you may be in the middle of this, you've worked through it or it's on its way. Marriage is not always that warm, fuzzy, is it? Sometimes it's looking at that person and saying, you know what, there's nobody in this world that can drive me as crazy as you. And Donna says that about me all the time. And I know that. I I can be a bear to live with, I'm sure. She's perfect. She's an angel. (laughs) Make sure it doesn't strike. (laughs) But all seriousness aside, I don't know how any other way to say this, but love is a commitment. Love is staying together when it's hard. Love is forgiving when it's hard to forgive. Love is staying in it when you want to run. Look, all of the touchy-feely things that you see on the Internet and Instagram and and all these people that are touting, look, that's fine, but anybody that's been in marriage, they're going to have issues and struggles. But that's what love is. Couples that do not have God in their life or reject God in their life will struggle with love. Not only with their spouses, but with their children and with other people. You see, love is not about serving yourself. Love is about serving others. Now, when you're asking your loved one, or better yet, when they ask you, where do you want to go eat? And you say, I don't care. That's not you looking out for wherever they want to go eat, is it? That is you saying, "I don't want to choose. You come up with a place, and if I like it, I will agree." But all joking aside, love serves one another. Love doesn't take for woman one another, and love that reflects the love of God is shown. In other words, if you love someone like Jesus, people are going to see that. But here's the hard truth: you will never fully you will never fully love anyone. Unless you have the love of God within you. You will never know true love, sacrificial love, unless you have the love of Christ in your life. Why is that? Because God is love. And to not have God in your life is to not love. Well, also we see in verses 9 and 10, we see that it says this. Not only is God love, he demonstrates that. Notice what it says. God Showed how much he loved us. God showed how much he loved us. By sending his one and only son into this world. So that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not, what we, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Folks, why do you spend so much time and energy trying to earn a love from God that He has already given you? That's what this passage is saying. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to wash up before you take a bath. So to speak, you don't have to earn God's love. He's already demonstrated it by giving Jesus as your sacrifice, as your atonement. Why do you spend all of your energy telling yourself that you're okay rather than admitting that you're not okay and letting Jesus love you and in some of your lives save you? See, that's the problem. If we are so full of ourselves and we tell God what he can and can't do, and if we tell God, I got this, he'll show us that we don't. And some of the best things that you could do is stop fighting yourself and say, Uncle, I give. You got this. I can't do it. And because he loves you, he will step in. I've seen it. Time and time again in my life, not because I'm a preacher, but because I'm a child of God. And if it works for me, it can work for you. Many of you have the same testimonies. Let's look at the unbelievable and unbreakable power of God as we look at Romans 8, verses 31 through 39. This is a very popular passage, and this thing will preach. I don't even need to say anything else about it, but I'm going to. We see in verses 31 through 34 of Romans 8, God's love gives you a right standing with God. Love gives you a right standing with God. I remember back when I played athletics in high school. If you made below a certain grade average, you were no longer in right standing with the team. And you had to either ride the bench or not even dress out because your grades were too low. Something was happening and you were spending too much time doing something other than your studies. And they made, so unfortunately, some good players got sidelined until they got their grades up. They were not in right standing. Many of us want to be in the right standing with their employer, their family, their bank, the IRS, <laughs> the law. These things are important, but the most important Standing that matters is where we stand with God. Folks, you will either be for God or against him. You will either be his child or his enemy. And of all the enemies you will ever fight against, you don't want God to be one of them. There was a judge that was known for being a righteous Christian fair man. And one morning, one of his former childhood friends appeared before him in his court. And his friend had taken a different path than he did, and so once they found out all the things that his friend did, I mean he he imposed the maximum fine on this former friend. I mean it was a it was a huge amount of money, the the fine that he had to pay. and everybody thought, "Well, that's the way he treats his friends. I don't believe that. And well, what they didn't know is that after it was over, and he left his courtroom. He went right to the clerk of courts or wherever he had to go, and he paid his friends fine. So he had to judge him, but he paid the fine. And my friend, God judges you. God judges me. All of the sins that we have committed and will commit are under the blood of Jesus. He charged them against us, and then he paid for them with his son, Jesus Christ. So what what does that mean? That means exactly what we see in verse 31. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all. Won't he also give us everything, everything else? Who dares accuse us? Whom God has chosen for his own. No one for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who will then condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. That means right now in the midst of your struggle, the love of God is Jesus is pleading on your behalf. That's what the Scriptures say. God is for us, folks. God is in our corner, and He has our best interest at heart. Never take lightly the fact that God is for you. Do you understand that this morning? God is for you. Maybe you've forgotten that. Maybe you don't care about that this morning. But the truth of the matter is that He is on your team. And that love that God has for you is not only a spoken love, it is a demonstrated love. And only God could sacrifice and pay the debt that he himself imposed on you. Then we see that God, his love makes us victorious. God's love makes you victorious. He says in verse 35, can anything ever separate us from the Christ, from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. What this means is is that we must remember God's love in the good times but it's Especially in the trying times. If you're in the middle of the valley, let me encourage you, my friend. Say to yourself, God is for me and God loves me. It's a lot harder to do it in the valley than when you're on the mountaintop, isn't it? But we have to do that because as Paul wrote these words, the church at Rome was about to go through an intense time of persecution. So today, your troubles may come from living in a world that is dying and lost its way, or your troubles may be coming from your own poor decisions. Some are put, some struggles are put upon us, and some are self-inflicted. But either way, in the good or the bad, God loves you. When I think about some biblical heroes, Moses questioned God's love. Job questioned God's love. David questioned God's love. You have questions God lo- questioned God's love. And I have questioned God's love. In the middle of, how God, how can you say you love me if all of this is happening right now that I can't control? And then I answer my own question. I'm not in control. And God loves me. And he has always seen me through it. He will see you through it. And he will be there because God is with you. And nothing can separate you from that love. Folks, you do not have to understand what God is doing, but you must remember that He loves you. And some of you are in the middle of that right now. Some of you have gone through it, and some of you are headed to it. You don't have to understand what God is doing, but you must remember that He loves you. Regardless of your condition or circumstances, God's love makes you victorious. If you have received that love, and then finally we see god 's love is unbreakable god's love is unbreakable. <laughs> I never forget we were uh, at the at the fire department one time they were they came by and they tried to sell us some phones, okay, and they were like phones for first responders, and they had this one that was a phone, the guy said it's indestructible. you can drive a truck over it. You can let it fall from 10 or 15 feet. I mean, it looked like a brick. But wouldn't you know that that one of the guys that is known for breaking stuff bought that phone? And within a week, it was broke. The unbreakable phone was broken. And were we shocked? No. (laughs) Because that guy's got a record of breaking things. But God's love, my friend, is unbreakable. It is proven It is true. And we see that he says in verse 38, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. And when I read that, I think about that person that has strayed from God. I think about that person that may be watching this video or maybe even in this room that your face looks good, but on the inside you say, man, I am nowhere near with God where I used to be. Have heart, because he is convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Because, see, God's love will do one of two things in your life. It will either help you in everything you do, or it will haunt you. Neither death nor life. Neither angels or demons. Neither fears of today or worries about tomorrow. Let me take just a second and say, when he says neither death nor life neither angels nor demons. If you just go and you read Ephesians chapter 6, you're going to see that there is a spiritual realm. There is a devil. There are forces that right now are working against this building, against this campus, and we are covered in the blood of Jesus. And there would be nothing better than the evil to than to see this whole roof implode on us. But we are protected by God's love. And if you don't think that there is an enemy out for you, out for your family, and out for the world, then you are sticking your head in the sand, my friend, because Ephesians 6 makes it clear that there is an enemy. First Peter says that he is a roaring lion seeking to devour. But he can only do what God allows because God loves us. And he says that even our worries for tomorrow. My friends, I am guilty of that. If I let my worries come to the forefront, I lose sight of God's love. Isn't that how it works? When you start worrying about things, you forget about God's love and you think about your things. So your things that you're worrying about become bigger than God's love in your mind. But nothing is bigger than God's love. And then he says, verse 39, no power in the sky. No, oh, I, I forgot a part. Hold on. This is important. The the second half of that verse before it, in verse 38, he says, Not even the powers of hell can separate God's love. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I'm going to warn you, I'm fixing to go off. Because I am excited about this. Because there is no power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us for the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Folks, repeat after me. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Say that. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Y'all don't look like you care a bit about that. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Remember that. Remember that. According to this passage, the grave won't separate you from that love. I've been to many gravesides, even those of my parents. And I know that that love that I have for them, in an earthly sense, ends at the grave. But I know the love that we share in Christ will last forever. That is why you have hope at funerals. That's why you have hope when you lose someone. It's not because of a touchy feely that someone tells you. I mean, there are a list of about five or six different things that people say at funerals that drives me nuts. And the thing about it is, I say them too. Well, they sure look good. You know they're in a better place. You know they're not hurting anymore. You know, we'll see them again. You know, they're no longer in pain. Are those, that pretty much covers most of it, isn't it? But let me tell you what. Because of God's love, we will see them again. Because even hell and death cannot conquer that kind of love, my friend. That if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you will be saved and you will know that love. That is why it's important that our families bring Christ into their lives. That's why it's important that our church makes Christ known to our community. That's why it's important. It's not just to give us comfort at a funeral, but to know that God's love is for us and we can never lose it or shake it. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ proclaims that it is possible for a Christian To never be separated from God's love. No matter how much the devil lies to you. No matter how much you lie to yourself. No matter how much the world tries to brainwash you. No matter what the polls and the politicians say. As a believer, your security rests in God and in no one else. Or in nothing else. We can find this unbreakable bond of love. I'll close with this. Your challenges do not separate you from God's love. They draw you to Him. It may not be now, but at some point, when you're in the middle of something you don't understand, I pray that it will draw you to His love, not repel you. You see, if you feel far away from God's love, He's not the one that moved. His love is real, it's unbreakable, and it's proven by Jesus Christ. And if you are struggling with love, either in giving it or receiving it, it starts and ends with God. No matter you're standing this morning, folks, you can be made right with God. To accept Him, to yield to Him, to experience Him. Folks, if you have lost sight of God's love or never found it, this is your moment. To experience God's love, you must accept it. And I'm going to say a prayer in just a moment. And then if you prayed that prayer and you mean it and you want to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you want to know that love, then I'm going to ask you to come forward. Yeah, we haven't done an altar call in a while. And I was talking to a preacher friend of mine. He said he's been doing all, Look, we don't have to be up in each other's face. But this altar is open. If you want to come pray at the altar, we'll space out. I'll stay far away. But if you want to know Christ, I'm going to invite you to come forward. I know y'all don't like doing that. What will people think? It doesn't matter what people think. There is not one person in here that wouldn't jump for joy if a sinner came to know Jesus Christ and to know God's love. Let's pray. God, thank you for your scripture, Lord, that reminds us of your unbreakable love. And if there is one person here today, I would pray that that you would please move upon their heart.